Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on this Monday afternoon. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio after, oh, I don't know, two months. Uh, that's about right. Uh, JP Ong, who needs, desperately needs a haircut. And I'm also resisting at the moment. <laughs> this is, is uh, I must define it as the COVID-19 protesters. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, the market's not so defiant. The Straits Times Index before the lunch break was up still above the 2700 mark, which was nice. The rest of the region, a little up, a little down, more up than down. How are we doing now? <laughs> I'd say that the color is generally green for the most part. There's nothing really uh, that's... Uh, I think that's uh, that's jumping off of your screens if you're a trader saying that, okay, this is where what a lot of the action is, except maybe New Zealand. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. But you're seeing that the Straits Times Index is still up by more than 1%. Now, generally, this is an index where you don't see a ton of, uh, you usually see sub 1% moves for the most part. But we're, st- we're we have started off this week 30 points in the green. And mind you, if we keep this up, Clarissa, we'll be in the green for six straight days. That means no days of losses for this entire month still, which is a very, very good start at least for local for local equities 2781 is where we sit about 1 billion singapore dollars in total trades changing hands how about that very interesting to see all of that appetite actually coming back into singaporean markets today Compared across the region, there are gains, but I'd say the only one, there are only a handful of uh, standouts right now. You're seeing that the Nikkei 225 is up by about 1.1%. So not a bad start to the week in Tokyo. It's a little more tepid out in Australia, but the Sydney ASX 200 that is in Sydney, just trading about six points, seven points in... Well, actually, uh, they were trading that at that point. Uh, just just slipped my mind today that they are actually offline today in observance of a public holiday there. So Australia's off the books. My apologies there. You've got the Korean Kospi that is trading today, but they're only up by about two points. They're trading at about uh, 2,183. Shanghai and Shenzhen also up by about 0.3-0.5% each each. The Hang Seng is trading in the red today, but they're only down by about 26 points. So nothing really to write home about. It's just, uh, it could just be um, markets in Hong Kong recalibrating themselves as we head into the in the second week, trading week of uh, trading week of June, the Taiwan weighted stock exchange in Taipei also trading about 122 points higher. But I'd say that the the standout right now is a market we seldom touch on. It's that's New Zealand. Out in New Zealand, the Dow Jones New Zealand index has soared by about three percent in today's session. Um, a lot of this also because uh, New Zealand is planning to reduce or bring down their current lockdown measures almost to near near zero, pretty much going back to pre-COVID levels because they have announced that there are no active cases anymore in that particular country. Now, of course, the next thing we're going to be watching out for in New Zealand is basically in a very strong position now to maybe create possible travel corridors and travel bubbles with with other countries that are doing well in terms of controlling the COVID-19 pandemic. If they do that, then there could be an even faster return or recovery for their economy down in that in that particular country, and also just to case, just to show highlight also that the sooner you get your COVID nineteen pandemic or your outbreak under control, the sooner you can start to plan for a return to normalcy. And I think that's what traders down in New Zealand are betting on. Um, but here in Singapore, at least, I think a lot of the uh, early optimism from phase one 
uh, in the in easing our own circuit breaker measures here continues to rub off on the Singapore in on the Straits Times Index, and a lot of traders and also international investors have started to look more favorably on Singapore and betting for a stronger recovery. They've highlighted the stability, at least for the markets here, and uh, and uh, and some and some of the recent uh, quick measures that economic officials here have introduced to help stabilize the markets. They're also uh, uh, they're also foreshadowing that uh, that Singapore itself might also benefit. Should there be a realignment or a shifting away of assets and, fi- and 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 companies from Hong Kong, should the uncertainty there persist? Although it is fair to say that the MAS has highlighted there isn't a there hasn't been a significant um, amount of inflows in terms of funds, in terms of bank accounts that are migrating from Hong Kong to Singapore. Nevertheless, there is still that possibility, and uh, and so far it's at least carrying Singaporean markets uh, higher in today's session. The Straits Times Index in the green, up by 30 points so far. I'm wondering, um, and now that circuit breaker measures have started to lift, we're still in phase one, of course. Uh, I'm right as we speak. I'm sure that the multi-ministerial task force are looking at the numbers very closely uh, to dis- to make decisions about the lifting of phase two and when that might be. Where are the medi stocks now? How are they all performing? Because they were by by far runaway success stories during circuit breaker. Are they still seeing those kind of gains? Well, I would say most of them are actually. So let's take a look at some of the usual suspects. You've got MedTech's International still jumping and they've jumped up by about 4.2% a day. Uh, 25 cents a share is where MedTech's International is trading. UG Healthcare at the moment, also in the green, up by about 2%. 75 Singapore cents a piece is where they're, uh, they're trading. It's a little bit more. Let's take a look at some of these other uh, um, um, uh, medical stocks here. You've got Healthway Medical that's actually in the red by about 3%, but compared to them, TalkMed is up by about 3.5%. So some of the medical providers like Singh Medical, Raffles Medical, they're all trading flat today. Um, but uh, you TalkMed, which I believe uh, TalkMed is up by about 3.5%. So there's still some strength, at least, for in the healthcare sector here. I think it's also because there are many who are expecting that demand for some of these PPEs and some of these other medical devices, medical equipment will persist because there is still that possibility that uh, you could see a, a reignition of cases. I, 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 hate to, I hate to bring that up, but that's always going to be a risk that the markets will be factoring or at least keeping at the back of their, at the back of their mind that mm-hmm. there could be a reignition there, which means that demand for some of these, uh, some of these items and some of, these equi- some of this equipment will persist Keep in mind, too, that there is a good chance that consumer habits have also changed. So people might still be going out there saying, you know, things are starting to calm down a little bit, but, you know, might not hurt to have an extra box of surgical masks at hand. It might not hurt to have a couple of gloves on hand. It might not hurt to have some more of these cleaning agents and PPEs on hand also. And hospitals might be thinking that, you know, maybe we need to rethink our inventory levels and perhaps keep an, a bigger stock of inventory moving forward. So this could actually be a, 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 change, a, a change in consumer behavior that might benefit them. Maybe it's not, not as much as we've seen, as we saw during the outset of the pandemic, when people were actually uh, were, were scrambling to find, to find uh, inventory or stock. But uh, generally, you might start to see people, ta- uh, some of these institutions and even households um, arguing about whether or not it's good to have a strong or or higher level of inventories, and that could mean that you know overall demand might be up for them at least for the next few years. Right. Okay. Now, uh, you, we've been talking about Singapore Airlines for a while. All eyes have been on them for a while. I suppose it is good news and reassuring 
that they've made an announcement to say they don't have any real immediate plans to cut jobs, at least for right now. Not, yeah, that, that is true. They have said that they are going to focus on recovering from the COVID-19 outbreak and they don't plan to cut jobs. But it has, it's, it's fair to say that, uh, that they've said they don't plan to cut jobs at the moment. This is according to comments from Chief Executive Officer Go Chun-Pong uh, uh, um, uh, uh, that was carried by the Sunday Times. Um, the airline says they will might have to review possible job cuts later on down the road because we talk about these structural changes, right? Um, the uh, medical uh, equipment providers and, and, and manufacturers, they might see an, a, a, a permanent uh, increase, at least, in demand for some of their goods. Well, we might see a structural shift where we see a demand for flights also remain um, depressed or, or challenged for the, law, for the, for the near future. It, again, consumer habits, people maybe being less, red, uh, less uh, ready or less open to flying or taking those uh, brief trips uh, overseas. I mean, we heard it from Prime Minister Lee Hsien Lung last night mm-hmm. at the address mm-hmm. where he said you might have to, you might, it might be a while before we see those weekend trips out, out, uh, out of Singapore for, uh, out for, for the time being as we try and ride out this particular storm and try to hunker down. Um, this could be this. If that's the case, then we could see that uh, capacities, at least for some of these airlines, might be constrained. And if you have less capacity, then you might need less people to actually uh, man these flights, to actually, um, to actually, uh, to actually operate some of these routes. And you might need a rational, uh, a rational reduction in your worse workforce. What he has said, though, is that we're not thinking about that at the moment. We're thinking about recovering from the COVID nineteen outbreak. And as we've said before, the ana- the analogy is that is the metaphor. Is you wait for the storm to pass, and when you come out, then you survey the damage and figure out what's going on and how bad things look. The good news, though, for Singapore Airlines is apparently they've raised more money than we thought. So they completed that rights issue recently of about 8.8 billion Singapore dollars, but they've now secured new new avenues of liquidity, a half a billion Singapore dollar loan through uh, through credit and short-term financing. And they've also raised another 900 million Singapore dollars through long-term loans, which they u- secured on some of their air- some of their some of their aircraft for the Boeing 78710 and some of their Airbus A350s. So uh, the, I, I, and I, that's also my, one, of, one thing that investors are factoring in at the moment, which is why SIA shares are still in the green today, up by about 0.2%. Mm-hmm. They've secured more liquidity, which means that the that buys them more time should the pandemic continue to and impact demand. And gives them more options. It gives them way more options. And to think that markets were expecting, okay, it's 8.8 billion. Oh, no, it's actually 10 billion at the moment. Oh, good job, Singapore Airlines, in some sense. But I think moving forward, the question for a lot of that on the minds of a lot of their employees is, will we have a job? Maybe we'll, they'll probably will have a job in the, in the near future for the time being. But in six months, in a year, if they, if they do a, decide to do a strategic review, will this actually see them bringing down their workforce again? That is still a possibility, but at least according to the CEO, not now. Not now is, uh, I think, the best answer a lot of us are going to get, <laughs> whatever industry you we're You will in. live to fight another day. Whether it's another month is, an, is something else we'll have to ask. If, uh, you know, a, a month is probably okay. Uh, this time next year... We don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's all industries, ours included. Now, Escott <laughs> Residence Trust uh, going to join the the FTSE 
uh, EPRA. This is a long name for yeah, let me spell that. The FTSE IPRA Narit Global Real Estate Index. So this is an index that's seen a lot of Singaporean REITs actually join in the last six to eight months. Um, a Ascot Residence Trust is going to be the latest one to be included, and they start. They will be included on this particular trust by June 22. Now this is an international real estate investment index, which was developed by the FTSE Group, and really takes into track the performance of listed real estate companies and REITs worldwide, some of the biggest ones. So Ascot Residence Trust, their CEO, Be Su Kim, who's a, who's, a, who's a female, by the way, um, um, says that, uh, and she's one of the many female CEOs that we're seeing, or the growing number of female CEOs we're seeing right now. She says that our, the successful combination that they embarked on with Ascendus Hospitality Trust last year has now boosted their particular scale where they are able to join this global developed index. And this will also raise their profile as a proxy hospitality trust in the Asia Pacific and broaden their reach among global investors. Keep in mind that these particular indices, they serve as benchmarks for passive investors to track. And thus, if they are included, it, it, it mandates that some, some passive investment trusts or investment uh, funds that need to track this, they'll need to include Ascot Residence Trust in their portfolios to reflect the reweighting, which means there's some upside for Ascot Residence Trust. Today, we're seeing Ascot, uh, Ascot Trust uh, trading but 5.7% in the green. So many are rushing back to Ascot Residence Trust. I think the question also here is that they are a hospitality trust first uh, they are a very strong hospitality trust and we we talk about the hospitality sector also being impacted very severely by the covid-19 pandemic now there has been some support extended by the government to helping them meet their wages to helping them meet their their um their uh, uh you know some of their commitments also but to balance all of this out nevertheless Um, we might see a lot of interest actually coming towards Ascot Residence Trust. And we're seeing it today. They're trading at $1.11. It's interesting that you brought up that uh, the CEO is... Female. Uh, female, because I actually interviewed Ascot ah. um, about their diversity and inclusion. And they went on record as saying, we really don't look at gender when we hire. We hire the best person for the job. Absolutely. And it should really be that way. I mean, it is 2020, right? And if that, you know, based on that that fact, they have about a 50-50% split in their senior management of female and male mm -hmm. because they just look at the resumes and the best person for the job. Mm -hmm. And what they found is that is as likely to be a woman today as it is a man. Honestly, I might even say that it's been that way for since time immemorial. It's just like that now the, the perceptions and maybe some of the inherent biases are now being disproven. Also because you have a lot of high-performing uh, women who have joined the force and have also uh, and have actually proven See, you know, it doesn't it it doesn't matter what your gender is at the moment. I mean, what matters is what's up here and how you handle and manage some of these situations. Um, I it, it has been a point of contention though that we don't see enough female representation in some of the top corporate levels. Also, mm -hmm. so and some trusts and some companies are doing better, perhaps doing better than most, actually addressing that. And it's not a question of okay, it's just about fairness or equality. It's about getting the right person, male or female, for the job. And uh, and again, it seems that they're doing a they're. they're They're doing it. It doesn't seem that she is bring has any baggage, or there's no big questions about how she's running things at the moment. No. And, they're, and they're going from strength to strength. No. And and at least at um, Escott, it is a 50-50 split, pretty much. That's good. That's great. I think yeah. that's wonderful. There yeah. are two people in the studio right now <laughs> delivering market view. 50-50. And it's a 50-50 split. That's that's what we're talking about here today. <laughs>
<laughs> Moving forward, um, you come back for another market view. What can we expect when you do on primetime? So today, uh, earlier on, I was able to speak to Jeffrey Haley, who I haven't mm-hmm. spoke to a while. He's senior market analyst over at Owanda to talk about the recent strong start for markets this June. Now, we, we know there's a lot of uncertainty still out there, but what's really carried things over? Why is why have things turned for, turned around for the better? And is does this mean that... Are, are th- ha- have has the worst been seen by global economies? Has the worst been seen by global markets at the moment? Will we? I spoke to him about that, and also whether or not we have to reevaluate um, valuations at the moment because valuations, because of all of the stimulus and all and the recent gains for markets, they've gone up to really high levels and pricey levels at the moment. Not uh, part in part also because earnings expectations have come down a bit, um, but because we have all of this liquidity and momentum supporting markets at the moment. Is it wise to revisit some of these valuation models? And how do you follow the momentum moving forward? Because there's so much liquidity out there looking for places to go. So how do you track the momentum? And how is it a fool's errand to do so at the moment? Um, these are things I spoke to Jeff about, and we'll be playing that interview later at 5.40. All right. This has been Markets View on Monday on Money FM 89.3. I'm Torres Montero with JP Yong in the studio. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.